seconds. Our reading is Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 12. It is found on page 523 if you have one of these Bibles from the back. Acts chapter 20, verses 1 to 12. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed for three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, Aristocrus and Secondus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man, young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He is alive then went upstairs and again broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. The word of the Lord. Well, today's sermon, I, I want to follow in the, foot, the footsteps of Paul, and so it'll be a little bit longer. We're going to be here at least till midnight. Didn't get much chuckles. <laughs> no, thank you, as my son would say. Yeah, and I'm excited to celebrate communion today. I mean, we're, we're kind of just following the pattern, the story that we see uh, here. Uh, and so they celebrate communion, so I thought it was appropriate for us to celebrate communion kind of as we digest what we learn. Uh, and also, since I'm going to be going on a sabbatical, I, I need to get as many communions in now as I can. So... Uh, I guess there'll be one every week until sabbatical. <laughs> Not going to do that either. Let me, uh... okay, freak accidents. So today's sermon, I'm going to introduce it a little bit and then I'll pray and then and everything will be normal. Uh, today we're talking about freak accidents uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to tell a hard story. I'm going to tell a true story, um, a personal experience. Uh, and our elders and deacons recently did a mental health training, uh, which was really helpful. And I asked, you know, like, what do you do if you're going to preach on something that might be triggering? Uh, and they said, well, just let people know. So this is me just trying to let you know, like, hey, this sermon could be triggering for some of you. And if it's going to be triggering, I, I, no one's judging you if you just need to go for a nice walk outside and spend a time in prayer. That's fine. Uh, there's also a quiet room back there you could go hang out in, or the, the conference room. Uh, but just to give you, uh, uh, you know, uh, a heads up, because uh, I don't want anyone to uh, go away discouraged. But I do think that if 
you know, you're on the borderline and you stick it through, I'm hopeful that the Lord will um, perhaps uh, do a little bit of redemption in this area in your life and in mine, uh, and that you'll be able to see God at work. Uh, and so I'll leave that up to you. Uh, but let me just go ahead and, uh, and pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, uh, what an interesting topic uh, to discuss. Um, you know, I, I pray that you would speak. You speak in all things, the good times and the hard times, the easy moments, the tragedies. So if I pray there's anyone in here that probably shouldn't hear this for their own mental, spiritual health, would you give them the courage to get up and walk out? Uh, and yet if there are those that really should listen and hear, would you give them the courage to stay seated uh, and to listen to your voice? Lord, I pray that that's who we hear today, is that we hear your voice uh, speaking through your story, this true story that we find uh, in Acts. Uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're going to jump in. Uh, so I want to share a, a personal story uh, to kind of start today's uh, message. Uh, in the summer of 2011, uh, I was going, so I was going to seminary 2010 to 2013, roughly, uh, and I, I traveled back to Colorado uh, in the summer of 2011 to do an internship at my, uh, the church I grew up in, Mountain View Bible Fellowship. And uh, while I was there, I led a college group, young adults. We went through a Bible study time. And it wasn't just my church. We were in partnership with another church. But really, like a lot of college students just kind of came from the community, people that had real no connection with the church, but maybe knew me. And one of these individuals was a young man named John, John Wisniewski. And he went to a different church, didn't really know him very well. He was homeschooled. I'd been homeschooled. We sort of saw each other off and on in kind of like the group events. Um, and he wanted to come. I don't even know how he heard about his, our group, but he wanted to come. Uh, and yet he was having trouble finding our house the first night. And so uh, he had called uh, me, and I was talking to him on the phone, and I was like trying to direct him, but I just couldn't, for whatever reason, communicate like how to get uh, to our house. And uh, we had to meet at the local post office, so I drove down to the post office, and then I just kind of drove him back to our house, and then that's how we got to our house. And I quickly realized that he had some physical issues. Right? He had a little bit of a hunch. He had a spinal uh, and neck issue. Uh, and then he also had some cognitive issues, so he wasn't able to really uh, communicate or process uh, like everyone else. And yet, uh, John was one of the most kind and caring and loving people I'd ever met. Uh, he loved people and just wanted to serve. It was his dream to become a firefighter, uh, a volunteer firefighter, and he went to the fire station and did what he could uh, there. And that summer, he faithfully attended our small group. He was there every week. He was present. He wasn't particularly highly verbal, but whenever he did speak, it was just like, wow, God's at work. God is really uh, good in his life. Uh, we went on a hike that summer, so I wanted to share just uh, some pictures with you of uh, John, so he's the one who's standing right next to me in the upper photo, and then you can see him in some of the, the bottom photos. That was a hike we went on, uh, some of our group. Uh, he was a little bit slower on the hike, but he made it. 
uh, and we had a, a wonderful time together. Uh, and he would just share things, be open. Uh, I went home that summer, and he continued this. Uh, some of these people kept doing kind of the study uh, together, including John. It puttered out. Um, but that really kind of was a starting point of just staying in uh, more contact, more connection. Uh, I saw him a couple of years later. He was working at a senior living center. He was just serving food on uh, busing tables. Uh, and then he would message me on Facebook. Uh, he wished me happy Valentine's Day, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, and one day when his neighbor died, uh, he passed, uh, he, he messaged me and asked uh, what he could say to the widow to comfort her. Uh, uh, he told me he was lost for words, but he would give her a hug and try to help her. He told me her name was Sue. Uh, just so kind and thoughtful. Uh, and the last time I received a message from him it was after a big storm to see if we were okay. So I think he knew that like, there was a storm out in Massachusetts, and he messaged our family, said, hey, you doing okay? Uh, his last post on Facebook was of a really cute puppy. <laughs> There's a lot of puppies in his Facebook timeline. And what happened was he walked into a fitness center and got in the hot tub, uh, and then he had a seizure in the hot tub, and he drowned. Uh, and that was in 2017. Uh, and it was just like that, freak accident. Uh, and he was gone. And I want to read this. On the first day of the week, when we gathered to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. Uh, there were... I think I skipped ahead one slide. That should be verse 8. Uh, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. So when I hear this story, you kind of, it kind of hits you a little differently when we stop at that verse. So I'm gonna hide this slide because that's later in the story. You can just take the slide down, Julia. See, Paul was preaching. Uh, it was a church service just like this in some sort of upper room. Uh, and Paul's going on and on. This young man is tired. Maybe he spent the day working. It's a normal kind of Sunday and suddenly, He's gone. He falls out a window to his death. And we're just hit like, man, how did this happen? Death. As I think about this experience with John, right, and maybe you're thinking about the people in your own life where it just, it just hits you, right, where someone in your own life is taken from you and you didn't have a chance to say goodbye. You're not sure why the Lord allowed for it. Maybe you're thinking of someone uh, that passed from a sudden car wreck or an allergic reaction. I was in seminary and uh, one of my classmates, uh, he told the chef how to fix his food and chef didn't pay attention perfectly and then a couple hours later he was dead. You know, we've all had people 
that are taken from us suddenly, and it's like, what do you do? <laughs> it kind of messes with us, right? It shakes our heart. We wish, like, and it doesn't just like in that moment, it shakes our heart long term as you think about that person and you miss them. And you think about like, man, if I was there, maybe I could have done something, or maybe you were there and you couldn't do something and you wish you had been able to do something. And we've all had like kind of different levels of experience. Some of you have been like right there, present. Others have been further apart, heard about it. Maybe you've not had it happen to someone you've loved. Maybe you have had it someone to happen to someone you love. I'm sorry. Death is terrible. Death is terrible. And we need to let it kind of hit us. Like, man, this is awful. This is terrible. Do you know that Jesus hates death? <laughs> Jesus hates death. He had his own John Wisniewski, but he went by the name of Lazarus, brother of Mary and Martha. Lazarus was doing fine. And then suddenly he became ill and he died. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Jesus, for some reason, took his time. <laughs> Two days. Jesus could have gone straight there and healed him. He could have spoken a word from afar. But it actually turns out he'd been dead for four days. So he'd already been dead for two days before Jesus even set out. Why wasn't Jesus there? Why wasn't Jesus there for Eutychus? <laughs> why, did, why didn't Jesus prevent Eutychus from falling from that window? Why didn't Paul, like Paul's full of the Holy Spirit, couldn't he have done something? How about those people in our lives? Why weren't we able to? Why did Jesus allow them to perish? And this is kind of what happens in the story Martha comes out to meet Jesus. And when she sees him, she says this. As Martha said to Jesus, I'm going to pull up slide number three or four. I'm not really sure. Lucas, if you can throw that up there. Martha said to Jesus, this is John 11, 21 through 27. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd been here, like, my brother wouldn't have died. Lazarus wouldn't have died. Eutychus wouldn't have died. <laughs> Do you know uh, Eutychus' name means lucky or fortunate? Like there is sort of some humor in this story. Like I don't really want to read it that way. Like if, uh, we need to kind of pause in that moment when terror struck, right? But, but there is some humor in here. Jesus comes, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Hmm. So let's pause. They've experienced this tragedy. Lazarus has died. And what happens? Jesus comes, and Martha says, I believe that one day you'll raise him. And there's hope in that, right? There's hope in resurrection. When you think of resurrection, right, when we think about the resurrection, we usually typically think about it two ways. We think about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rose from the grave. And then we think about 
a future resurrection. One day, all who trust in Jesus will rise from the grave. But there's a lot of space between Jesus rose and one day I'll rise. And does the resurrection matter for today? Does it matter for you and I? Does it matter in freak accidents when terrible things happen? I believe it does. Because it, it comes down to our understanding of the resurrection, that the resurrection is not just an event. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection is a person. What does uh, this next slide say? If we look at a verse. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Jesus embodies resurrection, right? That means the power of life over death runs through his veins. And anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus will never truly taste death, right? So that means for everyone in this room, if you've, if you've confessed your sins and you're putting your trust in Jesus, you're not going to actually taste death to its fullest extent. You will die unless Christ returns, but you're not actually going to taste death the way that like, Jesus tasted death. I've used this illustration before, but it's like, which would you rather get run over by, a train or the shadow of a train? Any takers for the train? <laughs> You'd rather get run over by the shadow of the train. <laughs> See, Jesus was hit by the train so that you could get hit by the shadow of the train, so that you don't have to take the full consequences of sin and death upon yourself. Jesus did that for you. And actually, we kind of spiritually die with Jesus, and then when Jesus comes back from the grave, we actually sort of spiritually come back from the grave too. So, See this, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I've already been crucified. It's actually not me who's living, it's Christ who's living. And that means like I have already undergone a type of resurrection a taste of resurrection, a sort of spiritual resurrection. I've been brought from death to life. Now notice, none of us have like the glorified body that Jesus had. <laughs> We're not walking in resurrected bodies fully yet, but we have a little taste of it in this life. So if we go back to the train illustration, right, so you, we're all going to be hit by the shadow of the train, I actually think there's a possibility through Christ that like we can bring our flashlight <laughs> and push back the shadow a little bit through Jesus Christ. Like the sun shines through in those gaps as the train goes by. So what do I mean by that? Not only do we not have to be not afraid of death, but I believe that God can inbreak into our world in supernatural events, miracles, where dead people come back to life. I don't think the resurrection is just for Jesus and just for our future selves. I think Jesus can bring people back to life 
right now. I know that's like weird in our Western, logical, modern mindset to think of, but Paul, right, like he's after the resurrection. This Eutychus moment that we're about to look at is after the resurrection, and I don't think it has to be just death to life. I think it can also be other things like cancer. Andy, I love that you brought up this story of like someone getting healed from cancer because that's exactly like the inbreaking of resurrection into our world. You know, a similar story, I, I think I've shared it too, where my, the guy I worked for cleaning fish tanks for a long time, he, he uh, it was either his mother-in-law or his grandmother, someone in his family had breast cancer and went and had it prayed for and it just completely went away. Like she was near death and God completely healed her. Maybe you've heard stories in your own life of people that have been completely healed supernaturally. But at our place in the story, right, Lazarus is still dead, Eutychus is still dead. And, it, and yet, Paul's about to tell a story, right? And what Paul does and how Paul responds, he's about to tell a story because how he reacts to Eutychus falling from that window actually is reminiscent of another prophet in the Bible who reacted and responded to sudden tragic death. Remember the prophet Elijah, the widow at Zarephath? She was a, a Gentile who God just kind of put this prophet into her life. He provided for her. He gave her some, he did this miracle of bringing food instead of her having to eat sticks and die. But then he sort of does this miracle and then, well, her son dies. Her son gets sick. And she's like, what? why did you even come into my life? You're going to make me bread, but then you're not going to actually like matter when it counts and that's kind of like us right like we believe in god for like the small tricks right? filling the the jars with oil but what about those big hard moments when life and death is on the line and so what does he do what does elijah do he takes the young child Instead, takes him up to his upper room, puts him down. He prays. He cries out to God. He stretches his body over him three times. I don't really know what that's about. Breathes, and the young boy comes back to life. And so, like we see this happen, right? When we go back to Acts, uh, and I'm just like all over the place with my slides today. We see in Acts... Uh, yeah, And a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with him a long while until daybreak and so departed, and they took away the young man alive. He pretty much does the same thing as Elijah saying the same God who was at work in the Old Testament is at work now, saving in surprising ways. This widow at Zarephath was a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew, and yet God saves her. And Eutychus, he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. God saves him. The resurrection is for all people, and it comes in surprising ways. So we have to ask, do we want to see the resurrection? Do we want to experience it? 
You know, I've I, I read so many books the last, like, couple of years. I can't remember where I read it. But it stuck with me because it just was amazing. There's a story of villages in, like, I think it was Nepal, somewhere in Asia, that when someone died, uh, before they would start burying them or wrapping them up or grieving, they would go and pray for three hours that God would resurrect the person who had died in the church community. And sometimes the person would come back to life. <laughs> that was just like what they did. Right? And, uh, you know, I was debating whether using it as an illustration, but I don't know if you're familiar with Bethel Church in California, right? They had, maybe it was last year or two years ago, a little girl who died in their congregation, and they spent like a week as a church praying for resurrection. There's a lot of things I disagree with Bethel about, but I really respect that because they were praying for resurrection. They put their time and their energy into their beliefs. Jesus says in Matthew, you know, heal the sick. This is the Matthew 10.8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without pain, give uh, without pain, give without pay. Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers. And maybe this was only for them that they would heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse lepers. But part of me says, no, <laughs> that's not true. God still does stuff like this all around the world. Jesus said again to his disciples in John 14, 12 through 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus never calls us to ask for less. <laughs> Jesus never says, lower your expectations. <laughs> Christians do. Disciples do. Jesus never does. What happens with Jesus and Lazarus? This is John eleven thirty eight 38 through 43. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Set your expectations low, Jesus. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus did. <laughs> Lazarus came out of the tomb, and they had to... Uh, to unwrap him from his linen straps. And here's the good news for all Christians, that if you confess your sins and believe in Jesus Christ, one day Jesus is going to cry to you, your name, come out. One day he's going to cry, John Wisniewski, 
come out. And one day, anyone who loves him, maybe the family member or friend or the person that you know who knew Jesus, God's going to call them out. You know, I, I believe in the resurrection. And I hope that you do, will too and, and, and do, but like not just, not just as a future event, but as a present reality, that we're living in light of the resurrection today. And if God took someone from you with no explanation, I'm so sorry. But God has an undo button. Like, I don't have an undo button in life, but God does. Jesus does, and that's the resurrection. Jesus is going to undo all the freak accidents in our world. Now, what's the proper way to celebrate? Well, it leads me to communion. Communion. I think it was, uh, maybe it was Alan who said in uh, Christian Ed this morning that like worship is a picture of like the, the eternal church, right? The, the end of days. And, and it is. You know, like Paul takes Eutychus and they, they have dinner. He's like, okay, I preached along. But then he preaches till morning. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Preaches till morning. No one else dies. Uh, and they take communion. And, and so like, I wanted us to take communion as a way of saying like we are bound by the resurrection, right? Jesus, the, the cracker stands for his body and his blood. But it's not just about his death. It's also about his resurrection. So as we take communion today, let's, let's think about those people. Let's recall to mind the people that the Lord has taken and let's just have hope. Let's place our confidence and our trust that one day Jesus will raise them from the grave. Any who knew him. If there are people in your own life that are like, I don't know what their spiritual state is. You can say, Lord, I trust you. You're good. You're a perfect and fair judge, and we'll, we'll trust that up to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you can redeem dark moments, freak accidents. You can turn them into resurrection life. Lord, we pray that we would walk by faith that we would experience your grace in this area in our life, that you would bring healing to places of hurt and fear. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.